Hello and welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast, number 125. This is technically our first recording of the year 2015. Joining me this evening, in the nude, is Mac. Yep, we're here for a train wreck and I'm here to derail it. And joining us with sexy coverings, Terry. Happy 2015, everyone. And, uh, I, I, and, uh... And Ian, I don't know what he's doing. Are you wearing he's clothes? Wearing a tie. He's wearing a tie. That's it. He's just wearing a tie. <laughs> That's all I need tie. to be classy. But where is it's the a tie? tie. <laughs> and of course, the sexiest man on the podcast, the dumbass himself. For future reference, my safe word is Liberty Gibbet. <laughs> I will remember that. I'm making a note right here. All right. How is everybody doing? Great. Everybody good. have did everybody have a a, a good um uh, did you have good holy days? Nobody had good holidays. What's the difference? Holidays are fun. <laughs> but isn't holy days are work? <laughs> uh, isn't holidays just short for holy days? Probably at one point, <laughs> but uh, I think we could make a successful case that they that the word has changed in connotative meaning to mean something entirely different. If you want, if you want a piece of backup on that, take a look at how many holidays there are during the year, including Talk Like a Pirate Day, which, as Ian pointed out last time, yar never people, people never talked like a pirate except one actor. But it is still worth celebrating. Oh yeah, hell yeah! <laughs> I went to a Talk Like a Pirate Day party. You did. All right. And I dress up like a pirate, too. Ooh, I'm going to dress up like a pirate this season if I um, race bikes. I have a pirate suit. Really? <laughs> the, the kit is a pirate kit. Yep. Sexy pirate or? Uh, dry dock beer logo pirate. Nice. That's sexy. Yeah, yeah I think so, too. <laughs> I have a friend who's really into pirates. He's Just the guy a, who hosted the party. A friend of hey, yours? <laughs> I, can, who's breathing into the mic? It's not me. I no longer require oxygen. Is that you, Ian? Yeah, the mic's a bit away from me. I don't think it should be me. Okay. Can you We're hear my voice? Can you hear my breathing? Hold on. No, it's I don't you. think it's not, it's not nope. you. It's you. Okay. Maybe it is. I don't know. You. <laughs> as far as dressing like a pirate goes, though, I have the parrot to accessorize. <laughs> so do I. And my parrot could eat your parrot. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> We've just determined. I, I I had a conversation with him the other day. And he was going on about something. I said, Tango, where's this going to end? He goes, Tango. And I said, well, where's it begin then? He goes, Tango. And so technically, he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the all conure. <laughs> Anything else? Okay, good. I think we're going to get right to it with the masturbation moment. We're not going to tease a little first? Um, how would you like to tease us? I don't know. I mean, we're going to be talking about... BDSM. Yeah. Yep. When we've got, and if we get to it, we got a little Pastor Manning. Well, that's a mood killer. <laughs> BDSM and Pastor Manning in the same sentence. Yeah. <laughs> okay, go. Uh, give me, give me a sentence with BDSM and Pastor Manning in the same sentence. I think you just did. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, yes, he did. What What would his safe word be? Lattes. Lattes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's sodomite. It's <laughs> sodomite. 
The Amateur Skeptics present Ian's Masturbation Moment, brought to you by the Dumbass Media Empire. The Dumbass Media Empire, bringing you content that touches people while they touch themselves. Uh, I'll get us started with the masturbation moment. Okay, yeah, let's start the masturbation moment. If you guys are ready. Yeah, we're oh, we're ready. So I'm doing a shout out to the Outer Darkness podcast for turning me on to mormongirls.com. Girls is spelled with a Z. And they're over 18. Uh, the site is not safe for work. So uh, <laughs> use caution when you go there. I found that out the hard way. <laughs> it's an interesting girls next variation theme. <laughs> I mean, they're... They're clearly not – the girls on there are not not glamorous. They're all kind of – they're not unattractive, but they're all just kind of plain. They're not made up, but it's an interesting interesting girls next door kind of site. Oh, I think so too. Um, so let me just shout out the Outer Darkness podcast. podcast is hilarious. These guys are ex-Mormon, and they do an excellent job of discussing Mormon history and culture, and they mock all the cultural bullshit that comes with being raised Mormon. And so on episode 37, they plug the mormongirls.com website, and that's mormongirlswithaz.com, not safe for work. It's a lesbian porn site where the characters are sister missionaries and the plot lines are church-related. Their subscription page has scriptural verbiage about tithing lifted right from the Mormon scriptures. It is hilarious. Um, for research purposes, I spent a little time on the site. <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> Strictly for research. Strictly for research. That's I why, don't know anything about the subscription page. That's why I look at porn. <laughs> uh, to your point, Mac, I thought so, too. I noted that it doesn't look like slick professional porn on the surface. So for me, I, I think that's kind of cool. It lends an air of authenticity. And they really go the extra mile to use realistic-looking sets and costumes and dialogue. Um, it's, it's just really great. There's Easter eggs all over the place. Um, the attention to detail is just amazing. And I'm sure it's all triggering for viewers who were raised LDS. Like we probably see a lot of things that people who weren't raised in that culture just don't even notice. For example, one set that I was looking at for research purposes has, <laughs> <laughs> has pictures of Joseph Smith and the current prophet on the wall. Right, which is just exactly how it would be in whatever the sister missionaries, um, you know, apartment or whatever. Can I? Can and, I I'd just like yeah. to note, um, you know, I don't see the two uh, sister um, Mormons that came to my door on the site, but I will keep looking. Keep checking, yeah. yeah. And for um, more about Mormon porn, let me direct everybody's attention to the movie Orgasmo by <laughs> Trey Parker and Matt Stone. <laughs> I like also that the women don't look overly plastic surgery or overly made, overly made up or anorexic. They look like you were saying, Mac, like real life women. Yeah, they do. Young, yeah. Your girls next door. Right. They're young, thin, and white because it's Mormon. But yeah, They're very white. <laughs> some of them even have pubic hair, though, which I thought was cool. For research purposes, I was checking that out. Um, right. And I hardly ever see women in the media who are not totally airbrushed and whatnot. No. One thing I really like is that they're, they're – they make a good attempt at a plausible plot. So here's the setup for one of the movies. Uh, one sister missionary is just, you know, hanging out in her temple garments, and it's a hot day. She's reading the Book of Mormon, as one does, and her mind wanders, and she gets all hot. So she masturbates in her temple garments, which napalms about a billion Mormon taboos. And that scene made me uncomfortable, and I'm pretty laid back about that stuff. Here, I, I like this one. <clears throat> 
Sister Hardy and Sister Pratt get wet. (laughs) In this hot fantasy, two Mormon girls take a steamy shower together, and they get more than their garments wet. (laughs) But, you know, I I can't blame that one Mormon girl for getting hot reading the Book of Mormon. I mean, that is... That's yeah. that's some sexy material right run, there. Run some sexy music through this. Here. That's you know reading the Book of Mormon. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We could just listen to uh, my Book of Mormon podcast and get ourselves all wound up. Oh yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> that is some uh, that's some hot shit right there. <laughs> I lifted some text to just read to you guys, um, but I'm going to crack myself up reading it. But this is an example of their attempt at just at least a plausible plot line that makes some semblance of sense. On a summer afternoon, Sister Jones sits in her missionary apartment and reads her scriptures. It's a hot day, so she's stripped down to her garments. She's trying to be good, but she can't focus. Feeling lazy, she curls up in her chair and flips through the pictures at the front of the Book of Mormon. (laughs) Wait, are there hot pictures in there? Do I need to go grab my book? Jesus in the (laughs) Americas, man. You should check it out. (laughs) I've I've looked at that book. I don't remember hot pictures. (laughs) Damn. So when does the Mormon pizza delivery boy show up? <laughs> no, no it would be pizza elder. girl. No, there's one movie, I think, that has an elder shows up somehow in the sister missionary's apartment. I don't know how he got Sister it. Hardy fools around with an elder. Nice. Yep. An elder is another young, he's a man, you know, like 19, 20-year-old guy. But would they that, call them elders. So would he have been, it, it, would they, are they still elders once they go through the Melchizedek priesthood? Or is that just the uh, Aaronic priesthood? Brian, I'm just a girl, so I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, so, yeah, so sure. The elder left his scriptures in the classroom one day, and when he went back to get them, he found Sister Hardy sitting all alone. Oh. He could hardly believe his luck. Oh, this Sister Harding, man, she's all over the place on this site. <laughs> Anyway, I just love this, and I just wanted to talk about it because I think it's so awesome. I, I'm sorry. I mean, it's is this a pay site? I mean, there's a join option, but man, is it it's like? Can you just watch these videos? What's the deal? I haven't tried to watch them yet, but it looks like you can. What's uh, the I, how, how much is it? Let's find out how much it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> Here we go. All right. A we week? need to open a Patreon account. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we need a Patreon account so we can so, so we, we can do some research. Forward. It's <laughs> one week's only nine ninety five. Nice. There you go. Sweet. <laughs> but if that's not enough Mormon hot action for you, one month is twenty nine ninety five. And if that's still not enough Mormon hot action for you, what six months is ninety nine ninety five. Order now, and we'll throw in. I don't know. <laughs> so, something. I'm sure, we'll throw something in. That seems like a lot to pay for access to smut. <laughs> <laughs> Who pays for smut anymore, really? I mean, come on. There's a lot of free, I think, on there. I don't know if okay. you can watch the movies, but there are a lot of... Well, you, I, I don't think you watch full length. I bet they have samples of what it is. Well, how long do you need, really? Yeah. Well, I, I, I do want to point this out, that the uh, the DSM refers to its premature ejaculation as being under 59 seconds of, of uh, sexual intercourse. So uh, you got to go beyond 59 seconds to not be a premature ejaculator. That's all I'm saying. 59 seconds. Tithing. Yeah, timing is everything. No, tithing. Oh, tithing. Oh. Tithing, tithing yes. tithes and offerings. Yes, that's what I was talking about. Yep. That's awesome. I, I, it would be hilarious. If... Some guy keeping a stopwatch. Yes, one minute. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I made it to one minute. You know, I don't know what, I don't know what you're saying about the DSM, but I think um, 
I think for as far as the rodeo goes, you only got to hold on for eight seconds. Oh, well, we're, this isn't uh, everybody's rodeo, if you know what I mean. Yeah, they, there's a big buckle involved. Um, I, I, I hope that 10% of everything they make goes to the Mormon church. <laughs> I hope they're tithing. <laughs> now, they're asking you to tithe. They'll take donations. Yeah, well, no shit. To their church, which I actually think would be much more entertaining than the Mormon church. Well, what is their church? Mormongirls.com. Right. Is that the church? That's what you're tithing to. If you, if you tithe, if you go to the tithing link at the bottom, that's who you're giving the money to. That's funny. So if you give a donation, it, it, it I mean, it's probably not tax deductible, right? Can you imagine putting that on your tax form? <laughs> I'm just picturing my accountant. <laughs> it's hard enough to explain to her every single year that I'm a stay-at-home mom. Every year we have to explain that again. Oh. I can't imagine trying to explain that. <clears throat> Mormongirls.com. We donated $100. Uh, basically, anyone can actually um, attempt to become one of them. That's not true. You, you, if you... Well, your tithing is not tax deductible. we cast girls between the ages of 18 and 30. So. Oh, Wait. see, I'm too old. Dang it. Oh. Oh, typically, though, maybe I could be an outlier. <laughs> Go for it. Well, do they have Mormon MILFs? Oh, see, there you go. I could be that. There we go. We should look that up. I need to grow my hair long, though. Shoot. Oh. Yeah, these, details, women, details. these women do all have long hair. Is that a Mormon thing, long hair? I mean, I, I guess, guess it's it's a biblical thing, right? So well, it's very traditional. Like uh, when I was growing up, it was all about being kind of traditional and like hearkening back to the pioneers and all that kind of stuff, you know. And so modesty and long hair, and there's very scripted ways that the genders are separated. So long hair fits right in with that. And they a job? Uh, yeah, it's not really, but it's modesty is a big thing. The temple garments in this video are actually um, the shoulder length of the sleeve. The sleeve length is um, shorter than I remember. I think that they've changed that. <gasps> I found I – L- I found. I, let yeah. me ask you, do, do the temple garments also happen to include a girdle or not? Because there was one of the girls back there who was definitely wearing a foundation garment. I do not know. I don't think they do. I think it's just I, – I was never endowed in the temple, so I've never actually owned a pair of temple garments. But I kind of want to now. Here, guys. Here, I found. I think I found something here. LDSwives.tumblr.com. Here we go. There we go. Look at this. Oh, yeah. There yeah. it is. <laughs> <laughs> there. See? They're the Mormon MILFs. They're in there. Yeah, she's not my age. I'm older. Oh, my goodness. No, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Oh. Woo. That's right. Show me those temple garments. Oh, she's on a bike. Look at that. She's on a stationary bike. Oh, where'd you well, see? And here's the, here's the foundation type garment I was talking about. Although the girl that I was looking at was wearing something that was looked a little bit more like a uh, like a girdle. Yeah, Spanx-ish. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. Uh, back in the day, oh my goodness, <laughs> I want to keep looking at this. I'm very uncomfortable. Keep, keep going, Terry. Keep going. <laughs> This is making me very uncomfortable. Uh, Holy shit. Well, it's interesting that that makes you uncomfortable. We'll cover that later. Yeah. Are we talking about the DSM and all of my Exactly, exactly. Yeah, we, we have a diagnosis for you, but keep going. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> 
<laughs> Back in the day, I think that you were not supposed to remove your temple garments even to shower. So like you would pull your arm out of the sleeve and wash your arm and put it back in the sleeve and pull your other arm out. I don't know. Uh, obviously, these women are not holding to that. <laughs> not quite, are they? <laughs> oh, oh, no. What, did, what did you find, Ian? Oh, <laughs> Right. <laughs> Basically, uh, all all for me. I, I guess these are supposed to be Mormon magazine covers. Enzyme. Oh yeah. So there's a Mormon magazine called Enzyme, which is E N S I G N. Oh, so this is a okay. So this is a, a spoof or yeah. parody or, or or something more. <laughs> Shaped Mormon pussy, page twenty six. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Wow. <laughs> yeah, this is what happens when we get a little free oh, time for the podcast to start searching. Holy mackerel. Boy, this is great radio, by the way. Great radio. Great radio, you guys. Yeah, this oh, is what, man. We're looking at stuff that if you put in Mormon MILF, you'll find. Oh, yes. Yes, you will find it. Put in Mormon MILF, and by all means, do it, but not at work. Yes. All right, keep going. Finish up, Terry. <laughs> I'm done. I can't unsee this shit, you guys. <laughs> 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 the school sexual inf- exploits. That one. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is such good yeah, stuff. Yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, can I be done with my masturbation moment? <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> have, we, have we completely derailed your segment? <laughs> How are we supposed to go on? Oh, man. Is there something else we could talk about? <laughs> uh, there sure is. Let's talk about disorders. Let's Sweet. talk. Go ahead, Ian. Kick us off. Oh, we're not going to talk about the Play-Doh? Oh, oh yeah. I'm sorry. Dumbass. Tell us about some. Let, let's let's uh, freshen up with a little bit of Play-Doh penises. Oh. Okay, so what happened is that um, Hasbro made a dildo for young children, and I think it's about time, you know, get them to learn that uh, this kind of stuff is natural, it's okay, it, it's nice, it's tasteful, it's ribbed for her pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <sighs> oh, that really cleanses the palate. Keep going. Oh. <laughs> oh. Sorry, I lost my place here while uh, looking at uh, the Mormon stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get to the right tab. I've got so many of them open. Well, my main thing is I look at it, I'm like, how the hell did no one notice that before it got released? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I really wonder sometimes, you know, it looks kind of like a penis, but we're not going to make a big deal about it. Because no one else will ever make a big deal about it. <laughs> Well, I guess we should uh, we should tell the audience what we're talking about here. Um, what happened is that uh, Hasbro, uh, who own Play-Doh now, they've made a um, uh, it's a uh, you know Play-Doh cake making thing, and they've got this extruder that push, pushes through to make fancy things with the Play-Doh, and it looks remarkably like a dildo, like a penis. <laughs> And um, a lot of people were complaining, making a huge deal about it. Personally, I just giggle about it and move on. The kids aren't going to know. But 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest problem is the decoration on it. I think if they took out, like, the ribbing and the um, beads around the uh, uh, head. <laughs> okay. The, the, it, you can't say that it looks any more like a penis, though, than it looks like, say, a tower. Um, actually, I would say that it looks like a cock sleeve. Yeah. But you have to understand, we're a society of perverts. <laughs> So, you know, the first thing, you know, we look at that, the first thing everyone's going to think is penis. It doesn't matter if it also looks like other stuff. We're perverts. Everything looks like a penis. Can you give me a definition of perv? I need that. Get, look that up. <laughs> I think you'd find my picture. Oh, we might find your picture. <laughs> <laughs> well, we find our podcast. <laughs> God, no kidding. We had a bridge too far today. Yeah. But it, it's just—I think it's mostly just uh, the beads around the head, making a, a little uh, lip where where the head is, and uh, the ribbing there. Yeah, the head itself is shaped very much like a penis head. Right, it looked like a circumcised penis. Yep. Yeah. No, so when, when you see the big image, the close-up of it, it's, it's kind it, of. I think it, it comes to too abrupt a point myself, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean the. The image you can tell, like with the with the big close up on the image, that uh, the actual head, the the hole in the head uh, uh, of it, is a lot different than an actual penis hole. That is true. Yes, my my urethra looks nothing like that. Did I lose you? <laughs> no, no, <it's> still there. <laughs> Good on you for using the technical word. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that was a long silence, guys. <laughs> We were all just picturing your urethra. No, I, was, I was wondering if I should say good. Here, check the, good. check check the live feed right now. <laughs> no, thank you. Damn it! There's nothing there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's my secret. I love Plato's uh, response. We've had some consumer feedback <laughs> about the extruder tool. <laughs> You know what? Some people are downright angry about it. This is not okay. <laughs> it's like just giggle about it and move on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's fine. I think it's funny. Yeah, it looks. I yeah, it's not a big deal. Here's the thing: is that right now though, people are are out in droves trying to buy that set <laughs> before it's taken off the shelf. I would, if I had known, man, I would have been at Target. You know, it's not that different than like an actual pastry bag or pastry piping device. Yeah, except it's made out of plastic, so it's easier to clean for the kids. Yeah. And it has to be made wider so that uh, the Play-Doh can fit through easily. And it doesn't right. have interchangeable heads. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> All right. So it's funny. <laughs> And, 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 of course, people are overreacting. <laughs> you know, people generally you know, overreact. I mean, why is a penis really that offensive? Come on. Is it the kids who are seeing it as a penis or the no, grown-ups? No, it's the grown-ups. It's the grown-ups. Uh, exactly. The grown-ups. And the kids are reacting. The kids are going to react because the grown-ups are reacting. The kids are like, this is a cake decorating thing. I shove the Play-Doh through and it comes out in these shapes. Like, they're not even thinking about it. Yeah. And even if they do notice, they'll just giggle. Sure. Yeah. Probably, yeah. And then they'll become perverts when they grow up. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll have a podcast. <laughs> and they'll have a podcast. That's right. That's right. And, and, there'll be, and there'll be a clinical diagnosis in the DSM for them. 
<laughs> Which is obviously the segue into the next one. I hope so. I hope so. Well, as far as I can figure, basically they took Brian and um, somehow decided that he's not as messed up as we all thought he was. <laughs> uh, that's not so, true. Um, found this article. Apparently it, it's about a year and a half old, but still. Okay, um, where's it from? The Huffington Post. Okay. So the article is BDSM correlated with better mental health, says study. So basically, if you're into all the kinky shit that Brian loves, you're actually supposedly, you know, mentally healthier than the average person. I think that's... So I I can theorize that the doctor who came up with this was probably into BDSM. (laughs) Well... is the corollary that you're not mentally healthy if you're not into that stuff? Okay, here's the. Okay, it's more than that. Ian, are, are you? Do you want me to just cover it? Go for it. You're okay. the one that did all the research. <laughs> cover it. So, so Ian put this story in here, right? So I found a better article from Doctor Michael Aaron, and and so he went through the study and he points out some things about the study. So the study is is one in a handful. There's about a half a dozen that 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 they've done and. Uh, he wrote about this, uh, what's the date on it? December 12th, uh, 2013. And he was going to post links to the other article. So he did post a link to the article that they're talking about. And I read the abstract of that. And there's some interesting stuff in the abstract. Of course, I, I don't think I can get the full thing or can I wait? Uh, nope. Uh, so I can't, you, I can't get the full thing. So I, but I did read the abstract and the conclusion so what what they did is um, they gave uh, they sent out surveys to two groups of people, and the, and there's and I think that there you could f- find some problems in the way that they did this, but they they sent out four hundred and thirty four. They had let's see BDSM and so they had okay. So for the study, they sent out surveys to nine hundred and two people that were self professed to be into BDSM. And they okay. sent out 434 to a control group of, and I assume that they were more randomized. From this, the information that they got back, they, they they came up with a couple of conclusions from this particular study, and they said that these people were less neurotic, uh, more extroverted, more open to new experiences, more conscientious, less sensitive to rejection, and had a higher subjective well-being. So those were the the main conclusions of the study, are are, are those things. And Dr. Michael Aaron says, of course, and he he really looks at that last one and says, isn't that really the whole purpose of of mental health anyway, is to give people a a, a higher uh, subjective opinion of their well-being? And, of course, they they do say it's subjective, right? I mean these are people's – these are the people answering the studies and the conclusion that the people came up with it with. So, and there's a there were some interesting results from this. It, 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 they because they did kind of correlate this to dominant and submissive, and said that the that the dominant people came out a little bit better in, in these categories than the submissive. But in on a whole, these people gener, um, uh, uh, had these characteristics compared to their control group of that 434 people. I'm surprised, actually, that they were able to get more more BDSM pe- um, people than than in their control group. I, I'm kind of sh- shocked that they didn't try to equal out those numbers a little bit more. I don't I completely understand why they 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 briefly go through the uh, statistics that they did to try and make sure that they got the right uh, p factor. 
I'm wondering, I mean, uh, if it's not BDSM in particular, but just the fact that these people um, are more, uh, feel more comfortable with experimenting with their sexuality that is correlated with them having better mental health. And, and that's what Dr. Michael Aaron said in, in his conclusion, that that was probably more likely, that it was more likely that, that it was not so much the BDSM. It's the fact that this particular group of people has identified something you know, that, that, that they're more open about. And so by being more open about it and trying to, you know, to, to fulfill their sexual needs, that by doing that, they actually end up, you know, scoring better be, because they because they, they ultimately have to be more open about this kind of stuff. And he said uh, specifically that in this particular study, he summed it up really good, that basically, basically he said that the BDSM put in place of people looking for, uh, damn. I thought I read it, wrote it down. Looking for love in all the wrong places. We can summarize that those who practice non-normative sexual behavior are by definition those who are acting in the most personally authentic way possible. Yeah, he said something else, but basically he was... In, in this way, sexual exploitation is a stand-in for identity exploration. There we go. So he's So that's all he's saying is that he's saying that this is an act of identity exploration is, was his point. Which so this can be this could be anything. It doesn't just have to be BDSM. It could be anything that that people are exploring to you know for themselves, right? I'm wondering about the causal arrow though. Do so do people who already um, ha check all those mental health boxes and have good solid mental health um, outcomes? Are they more likely to be comfortable exploring, and therefore it looks as if um, it's causal? I don't, He's not claiming causal relationship, is he? Like, it's a chicken and an egg question. Do people who are mentally healthy, they, are they more likely to be They do specify that this is that there is a correlation here, but not a causation. They do not, okay. they do not specify causation. And so you may be absolutely correct that those people are already likely to go there, right? But this study is not equipped to answer that question. So my second question is um, that thing about non-normative sexual behaviors or whatever that Ian yeah. just read. Um, Sorry. <laughs> no, that that's okay. Um, the, the, now, previously, the DSM referred to that as paraphilia. Okay, I'm wondering if um, why it has to be not normative or paraphilia. Okay, in this, order to explore your identity, why it, does it have to go outside the bounds? I don't think it does. I just think in this case it was. Okay. Well, Once you know, again, there, there are a lot of people who are uh, very uncomfortable with uh, dealing with uh, their sexual feelings. It is generally better to be able to be comfortable with, with your own feelings and to be able to explore them uh, and to be comfortable with your sexuality. I, I agree with that. And, I mean, Terry, you've, you've stated, and, and I wonder that you're not into BDSM, right? But, Correct. But clearly, you don't sit around you know, thinking, hey, I want something, but I can't talk about it. I imagine that if you if you want something sexually, you and your partner have a discussion about it, right? I ask for it. And exactly. We'll talk about it. Yeah. And I think that's the point of the whole situation is that people who are into BDSM, they have to ask for it. It's not something you can get unless you ask for it. So a discussion has to happen. I'm sure there's a feedback loop too, like a positive feedback loop where asking and discussing um, creates an environment where there's more open discussion and explore it. You know, that's just such a safe environment then to explore whatever you want to check out right well um, having the right partner probably makes a, all the difference right true and if you're seeking this stuff out there are safe groups for you to go to that where you can do that 
there's a big enough community, which which makes boggles the mind why for so long they considered this mental illness. Is there a population statistic? What percentage of the population of sexually active adults? I practice? didn't. I didn't look that up. That's good. That's a good question. Um, an article that I read says that they are a minority. That's all that I said. So that you could know, be like forty-nine percent or something. There are a I lot suppose. of kinks out there, and and you can find a list of them. Right, uh, a lot of them on the internet. I mean, I have a few different kinks myself that are unusual. I, I imagine it could be most of the population will have different kinks that are uh, minority uh, looked at them individually, but I think most people probably have different kinks of their own. I, I imagine that's true. And here's the definition of paraphilia that I got from one of these articles. I think it might have been this one that we're looking at. No, it's another. It's another one by the same doctor. Um, and it's basically love outside the norm. And I hate that because th- this idea that there is normal sex is definitely a cultural, social thing. And who gets to describe, define the boundaries of that? I, I guess the majority, right? Is, is, I mean, how else, how else do you do that? How, and, and clearly, I mean, when we're talking about normal sex, it's missionary position. That's where you start, right? I mean, culturally, right? Well, and, and culturally – even if it's not the majority, we have kind of a – we have had in this country kind of a driving culture, which is a Judeo-Christian culture. And we're just starting to break out of that at this point. And I would, I would argue that we're, that we're not that close to breaking out of it. And if you listen to um, Daryl Ray's podcast, the Se- Secular Sexuality Podcast, he, he covers this topic. I mean that's basically kind of what the whole podcast is about, is about how this – um, Judeo-Christian norm has affected our sexual culture. Yeah, and even if it's made people who are into something different ashamed to say, "Hey, I'm into something different than you're into." Right, and isn't that? And that's kind of the point of the study. So this stuff is hard to talk about, right? And it and it isn't looked up. It's I would say looked down upon by the the majority of. Uh, of the culture, let's say that you know. And, well, I don't know how much looked down upon. Well, I think okay, it's, culture in general tries to look down upon. I think most people either um, are repulsed or are amused by. It. And you know, obviously, we're all amused, and some of us might even be a bit. Um, okay, curious. it's it's considered sexually deviant. How about right. that? Right, it deviates from the norm for sure. And so, I, I think the, the one of the points here is that because it deviates from the norm, the the people that are go looking for this have to end up being more comfortable with themselves and sexually than somebody who's into normative sex might might have to. I thought right. you didn't like that term. I, I, <laughs> I don't like that term, but I don't okay. have a better one. I do. I hate it because why does that have to be the norm? But it is kind of true, unfortunately. I was just thinking about how we define the norm, though, and the, all the cultural stuff and the Judeo-Christian stuff and how that differs across cultures. So normal in our society might be different than normal in a different culture. Okay, but look at your Mormon site. That's way outside the norm of Mormon culture. That's <laughs> Holy why it's, shit, yeah. Exactly. That's why it's so titillating, right? That's why, oh, we, yeah. that's why we had such a good time with it because we, because we know how sexually repressed the Mormons are. So this mormongirls.com is, is so far out. And, and, and probably what they're doing is tame compared to a lot of the other porn out there. But because it's Mormon girls, holy shit, now it's hot. Right. The Outer Darkness guys were hilarious because they were like, oh, my God, this is so hot. Exactly. <laughs> but, but why is it that hot? Because it's just two girls fucking. 
There is something really hot about uh, <laughs> two girls fucking repressed. <laughs> I was just gonna say, there's something really hot about uh, repre- repressed religious women who are giving into their urges. Catholic schoolgirls. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Case in point. It's 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 all forbidden fruit. Yeah. Yep. It's the stuff that you might you might think about, and it's it's the stuff that might you might think goes on behind closed doors, and here it is, right in your face. No closed doors. But I, that's my I, and so and and that's the point, right? Um, BDSM is you know outside the, is sexually deviant. The Mormon the Mormon Girls dot com is sexually deviant. Not safe for work. Not safe for work. <clears throat> now, now, I, I wonder how much of I wonder how much of the uh, the study on BDSM coming out at this time. I wonder how much that's affected by the fact that Fifty Shades of Grey is becoming mainstream. Well, I think that I mean you make a really good point there, um, but that isn't what changed the DSM reference. No, but you got to wonder how long this guy's been sitting on this study, waiting for a a time when it might be somewhat accepted. How and, you know, uh, I don't know. You know, we've got we've got mommy porn out there now. Well, how long does it take to do a study? I mean, here's the thing: is that this study? I don't know when it started. Uh, oh, I do know. Uh, this article was uh, this one that I'm looking at, 2013. I don't know when they started it. That's when they published it. But they don't do a study overnight, right? Somebody had to had to plan and, and plan the study out and, and implement it, and that's not uh, quick or cheap. I have a question about the Fifty Shades thing. How represent? I haven't read it. How representative of it? It mm. is it of the BDSM culture? Do you know? I, I haven't know. read it either. I, I I think that it's not really all that representative, but it's it's enough to it's it's acceptable enough to let somebody dip their toe and maybe get a little deeper. I think that there was a lot of stuff in that book that was probably even outside of the BDSM culture, yeah. right? There there, there was a, like, there was an underlying story there that. Um, that isn't part of the BDSM culture. Uh, and, you, you know, just like people tend to cite John Norman's gore stories as being BDSM culture. And there there are people who live their lives as Gorians, but that's not the main BDSM culture either. Well, well my- you know, I think there, there are probably fantasies, stories, fantasies that BDSM people will have that come out in stories that they wouldn't engage in things like that, but they make for good fantasies. I think that's probably true. There's probably yep. a, a lot of fantasy going on, but I would say that, like, well, like with most most of these things, there is a variant. There's people who like the occasional cuffs, and then there's people who like full body bondage suits. And the other, Matt, the other thing I was, oh, I just, uh, I'm afraid to ask. I'm afraid to ask my question now. Mac, what is a Gorian? Oh, oh. Uh, John Norman wrote a series of like 50 freaking books about this place called Counter Earth where there was all kinds of counter-earth or gore, where there was all kinds of basically uh, women were property, uh, sometimes men were property too. There was a lot of power plays, a lot of slavery, um, and people would come from that world and abduct women from our world and take them there as well. So it's the name of a place. Yes. Okay. And... The, the name of a series of novels. Okay. Um, so it, one of the things that in the results of the study, it, it, um, it says, comparing the four groups, if differences were observed, uh, 
BDSM scores were generally more favorable for those who, with a dominant than a submissive role, at least, uh, at least fav- with the least favorable score for controls. You know why the dominance had a better score? Well, because it's easier to say, I want to whip somebody as opposed to, I want to be whipped. No, that's not the reason. The dominance had a better score because they were the control group. Uh. Mm. Nice. <laughs> no, but I, I think I think I think it is. It's easier to say I want to whip somebody than it is to say I want to be whipped. And it's also it's also um, it's it's more acceptable society wise to say I'd rather I want to whip somebody, not that I want to be whipped. To say that I want to be whipped makes you look. Weak. I'm going to use the term sick. Sure, sure. Whereas I want to whip somebody makes you maybe a little off. Right. Does and it have to do with how we define masculinity? I well, that's a I very good so. question. I, yeah, I bet it comes back to that. And it, so, but I did think that was that was interesting that they did make that um, that that they did make, see a difference there between those two subgroups. So the other piece of this, though. That so the article mentioned that in the DSM five that this was removed, and so uh, historic. So a little bit of history, real quick. It, um, it was paraphilia, which, as I said, is uh, is love that is outside the norm, is the general definition for that. Um, was first added to the DSM three in nineteen eighty. Prior to that, it was basically uh, paraphilia was pretty much an unknown term. Um, the guy who came up with the term, I think I have that, his name, uh, Wilhelms, he, um, but it wasn't, but he isn't the one that added it to the DSM. It got added in 1990. Um, and at that time, basically any sort of uh, paraphilia was considered um, mental illness at that point. So anybody who w- was interested and acted upon this was mentally ill. That was it. This would include any type of water play. Yep. Any, um, yeah, it's kink in general. Would, yep. and, and even though paraphilia and kink don't mean the same things, for the purpose of the DSM, they were pretty much interchangeable. Um, they softened that in the DSM-4 a little bit um, and, and added the word distressful to it. So basically if it was distressful. Um, but really, realistically, once you read into it, it would still – I mean it really didn't soften it that much. It softened it a little bit, um, but still basically they considered anybody doing this – to be mentally ill, and it caused problems in, in legal systems, particularly when it came to custody situations and stuff like that. There were problems because if if you are trying to get custody of your child, but yet they know that for some reason you've been into some sort of kink, and it, and if according to the DSM that's mentally ill, how is a mentally ill person supposed to get custody of their children? Yeah. So and so of course if, of course there's the stigma of saying if you are quote unquote mentally ill, then you're just going to bring that upon the children also. Right. That see, that's a problem. That's why that's the same kind of thing with. Uh, that's the same kind of thing with same-sex couples. Yeah, same-sex yeah. sex couples losing custody because obviously they're going to make the kid gay. Right. That, yeah. Can this, we talk about distressful for just a second? Yeah. Distressful to the subject who participates in this, who engages in this non-normative sexual uh, stuff. That's is that what, yeah, the, yeah. But it could be just. I mean, basically. What is the source of the distress? Is it internal okay. or external? Okay, but hold on. In in the in the DSM four, it didn't make a distinction. It didn't matter if it if if you if you told somebody about this and they reacted badly and it made you distressful, then it, it was it was it was classified. And this is a slippery slope, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. 
So, um, so in the DSM five, they make a distinction. They still have the paraphilia, but they but the, in the DSM, it's now paraphilia disorder, and a paraphilia disorder is uh, specifically um, if you're into one of these and it's distressful to the subject, and was not culturally or socially induced. So the if, distress wasn't. Yeah, if the if the distress is not culturally or socially induced, but I okay. mean, my thing comes down to, I mean, how do you tell the difference? And in in um, Michael uh, Michael Aaron, he 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 does uh, address that in one of his articles that you know that that's you know that that that's a sticky point right there. But um, yeah, but, we evolved. Our psyches evolved in the culture that we're in. Right, but but, th- but is it now saying that uh, it's not the kink itself that's bad, but the distress that uh, the individual has over it? That's it, the exactly. So if you, so, if you and your partner or you and whoever it does a little bondage, you know, uh, on the side and enjoys it, that's not the mental illness. But if you have these, if you have these uh, urges. And 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 want to part- and feel like you want to participate in these things, or it's the only way, and the only way you can orgasm, or you know something. And but and it makes you uncomfortable, and you have a problem with it. Then that's the disorder. I've talked to a lot of people um, online who have, you know, basically gone to a lot of grief over their kinks. Yeah, and uh, they, they, you know, try trying to deal with that. They feel guilty for having these urges and wanting to give into them and stuff like that and it's pretty sad there actually um i found another article this dr michael aaron is a wealth of information he has an article specifically talking about that that i did not include tonight that i would like to come back to later about that very thing about uh and about like even uh therapies that were supposed to help people get rid of their kink which most most therapists now say you that you you don't you can't do that and there's one therapist that does and what he says is incredibly disturbing mm. and so it's it's problematic when you have people who 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 still would consider this a disorder and and you know want to give you some sort of therapy to change your sexual proclivities i think what's yeah. hard too is that anything non-normative or however we're, whatever term we're going to use for the bucket of all these things um, it's a spectrum, right? There's a huge spectrum. And maybe there are some things on one extreme end that are maybe a little, like I c- could cause someone distress legitimately. But it's hard to know where along the spectrum it's cultural and where it's internal and self-harming. And yeah. I mean, here's the thing is that we can say, I mean, if somebody is into, I don't know, wants to have sex with young kids, right? I mean, is it, but they never act on it. Is that a disorder? Are they okay I with it? I would say not. Are they even if they are wanting to do this and don't act on it? Are they managing their desires right. well and not being stressed out by them? Exactly. But it, but if they want to do it so much that it's causing them distress, is now a disorder? Then it would be a disorder. Right. So I so I mean, based ultimately, based on the criteria you've described, ultimately, basically, it comes down to you and your therapist having a discussion about it. Right. That's the only way to know for sure. I don't think that the and the problem I think with the DSM being used in a legal sense is that it doesn't make that determination. It's not you and your therapist. It's the court and the DSM and you. Now, in, now correct me if I'm wrong, but in the DSM five. Didn't they redefine the character classes somewhat, and they streamlined the feats and proficiencies? Or am I thinking of D and D edition five? <laughs> yeah, you're thinking you're thinking of the revised edition five of D and D. 
I was waiting and waiting for the other yeah, shoe to drop. Exactly. I had no idea. There, there had to be, right? It had to be. <laughs> um, there was a couple of other things that I found interesting. Let me see if I can find them real quick. So, okay. So I thought that this was interesting. So the, but the, the history of this is interesting because um, the, the person that was on the committee uh, for the DSM that was looking into the, uh, to these sexual portions of them, his name was Richard Kruger. And in 2010, he he wrote an article. He wrote a uh, uh, a document. I'm I'm not sure what exactly what to call it, but saying that he did not. He reviewed the the literature from um, 19 the 1900s to 2008, and he didn't feel that the DSM entry required adjustment. Very little in language at that time, and this was 2010 that he wrote this. So later on, he was still on this committee. Um, a Susan Wright was at a conference, and she had and she had a problem with the with the DSM, and she had written to some people, and she didn't get much traction until she was able to catch Richard Kruger at a uh, at a conference, and she laid it out for him, and they you know they had a discussion, and they went back and forth, and he and he pursued it, um, and with uh, with her information, and. And so he was also the one, even though he didn't think it needed to be changed. Ultimately, he was instrumental in getting it in getting the uh, getting it changed. So for me, this was important because even though he looked at the research and didn't and didn't find anything that that suggested that it needed to go away, somebody approaching him and and giving him evidence and and and, and presenting their case to him, you know, he wasn't so dogmatic about it that he wasn't going to listen. He actually took the information. He took it into account and ultimately went in that direction. And so I was I was because and, and I think that's we don't always hear that. We hear mostly about the people that are dogmatic about their positions, they're not gonna change it. Right? We hear that a lot. But this gentleman, he reviewed the research, he didn't see anything, but and, and he deals with people with sex disorders. Um and but he changed it ultimately to DSM. And I, I was the other thing I was wondering about, if you're a therapist and your job is to work people work with people with disorders, with people with real disorders, when you start reviewing this research, are you gonna take into account that somebody might be doing something that you that is a disorder for one person that for somebody else is recreational? And 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 obviously in the research he didn't see that. It had to be presented to him in another way for that to come through. And fortunately it was. So I thought that I mean that there's a little bit of history there that I thought was uh, really interesting. I do want to I do want to make a point here uh, to something I spotted in this NC, NCSF Freedom Org. Yeah. Article. Okay. Uh, NCSF is proud to build on the work of kink aware professionals who have come before us, including Race Bannon and Guy Baldwin. I'm sorry, but Race Bannon was on Johnny Quest. Was he the dad? Was that the dad? No, he was the white-haired bodyguard. Ah, and so that—that's your problem. I'm sitting here going, okay, I can picture this guy in my mind, but I don't think he looks like I'm picturing him. No. Mm. So, do you have any real issues with them? No. Okay. But I will say this: the information that I've got here is all from very much what I would call sex-positive. Um, points of views. I do not have anything here from the other side where somebody still thinks that this stuff is a disorder. And had I had time, uh, I would have done more looking into that to see what other people are saying so that we could have ridiculed them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're honest. Yeah, I'm honest. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Because I don't see this stuff as a disorder. I do get 
on different boards that I'm on or something that involve kinks and such, people will come on and they'll say things like, I want to get rid of this. Anybody know how? Don't feel comfortable with this. And I think it's very important for people to feel comfortable with their sexuality. Well, and the other thing is you probably can't get rid of it. You have to learn to manage it. So if you are – if you do have a kink that is harmful to somebody else, you have to – I mean you probably do have to learn to manage it. But Well, I wasn't specifically talking about that, but yeah. I okay, mean, sure. You, you, if you do have some uh, uh, kink that's harmful to some to other people, then you know, live it out in fantasies or whatever. I think people are generally capable of doing that without actually involving real people. Yeah, I, I would hope so. I mean ideally that, that's what would happen. I think most of the time that's probably what happens. I, just in the minority of cases, people go off the deep end and probably the people who try to repress it so much that uh, they, that it eventually works its way out and they feel like they have to. Yeah. I just flashed on something for a second when you were talking about um, the ability to work it out in fantasy. But then I was thinking that there are so many cases of spousal infidelity, like people apparently in the case of monogamy can't or whatever default monogamy or whatever people settle into. Uh, can't work it out in fantasy. They fail to in a way that maybe people with kinks don't fail to work it out in fantasy. You know, there's one thing that – and that it comes back to communication. Can you talk about this with your partner so they make sure you're getting your needs met what, no matter what they are? And I sure. think that a lot of couples that end up with these problems, they probably aren't either comfortable talking about them or, 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 or they're not you know, being honest about what their needs are. And there was a great silence. Yeah, I know. I think, but I think, I think that sums it up. I think I've gotten all the points that I wanted to get to. Ian, hey, thanks for putting this up and not doing any research. Uh, I always look for interesting topics, and we this, will go where we go with them. This one was particularly interesting to me. I enjoyed going through the research. Um, it was a break from all the other research that I'm doing, so it was fun. Okay. So, um, so we, we've on to what yeah. the fuck are they thinking? All right, I'm down with that. Okay, so. This article comes from the ever-informative worldtruth.tv. Yay! Listeners, you need to listen to this. This is earth-changing. I mean, the, the whole system's about to collapse, according to a DHS agent. Now, uh, in the article, a prepper talks about how he went to a store with a friend of his and, I guess, was teaching the friend how to prep, because we have an experienced prepper and a non-experienced prepper, and the experienced one's you know, so did his friend, this is the kind of stuff you need to buy and so on. And I guess they were talk, talking before they left the store about being a prepper. And this DHS agent overheard them talking. And so, you know, outside, he approaches him. Without even saying another word, he showed us his DHS ID card. But he did cover up his name. He showed it to us for a couple seconds and put it back in his wallet. Now, then the DHS agent says, now listen carefully. enough Stop. time for a, for a normal civilian who doesn't know anything about it to verify that, that yep, that's a DHS. I don't yeah, even I, know I, what DHS stands for. <laughs> Department of Homeland Security. Oh, thank you. And they know but, what it looks like because they've seen it on TV. <laughs> so anyway, so the DHS agent says, now listen carefully. Stock up. And I mean stock up very good on food, guns, ammo. Because once it happens, you won't be able to buy it. Martial law will be declared. Banks will have no cash, and stores will be out of food. If possible, move far away from the cities, because it's going to be like hell. And lastly, get your money out of the banks, because lots of banks are going to fall. Okay, hold on, hold on. Okay, you take your money out of the banks. It's paper money. The economy collapses. 
the dollar becomes worth nothing. So it, all it, that it, money it, you it, just it, took out yeah, of the bank is a piece of paper. Same thing. It's like, wait, what, what good is the paper money going to be? It's not. That's why you need gold, goats, and, and women. Silver. Yeah. Gold is gold going to be? I mean, if, you know, chaos. Okay, 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 okay. Well, you got to buy seeds. You've got to okay. buy seeds. Okay. It's, there you go. Seed bank. Okay, okay. <laughs> forget the gold, goats, and well, women. you got to buy non-altered seeds from Glenn Beck. It's right. <laughs> and goats and women. Jeez, guys. <laughs> Yeah, stock up on the women. Well, that's good because they're good for trading, you know, Because and the ghosts can keep <laughs> you warm at night. Oh, but I just love this idea that if, if this actually happened, that the guy writing the article doesn't quite get that. To me, at least, it feels like he's being conned. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, oh, those guys are talking about preppings. Hey, guess what? Let's mess with them. <laughs> That's so much what it sounds like to me. But this guy is using that as proof. An unidentified DHS agent tells him that um, all hell's going to break loose. And, um, Somebody is say, laughing his ass off right now. Yeah, that, that's how it sounds like to me. But the guy's taking it so seriously. He said, Sir, uh, you know, he finished his article. Seriously, guys, ever since this encounter, I've been shitting bricks. I'm already well prepared. And with everything that is going on right now, it looks like he is right. When was this written? <laughs> well, about two weeks ago, I think. Is it okay, March so we've got four weeks left. Well, at the bottom it says March fourth. I hope we make it to Pi Day at least. <laughs> yeah, he says thank you, suicide inside information that the U.S. will collapse on March fourth. You know what? I'm going to stock up on Cheetos and condoms. Yep. <laughs> you know. Kind of something a little bit related to this. I started watching, uh, I got interested in watching a show called Titus. And remember you remember it? Yeah, I remember um, it. One of the intros to his show, he says 63% of American families are now considered to be what's known as dysfunctional. We're in the majority now. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he goes on at, at the end of it saying, you know, what that means is that when society collapses, 37% of the people are going to come completely apart, and the other 63% of us are going to be saying, nobody's watching the Lexus dealership. You know, when the shit hits the fan, I don't know if I want to be prepped. I might just want to go up with the first wave or whatever. Totally. Yeah. Be at ground zero. Yes, exactly. We might have to steal that from uh, <laughs> atheists on air. You want to be right there on the front lines defending the country with your bayonet when the first nuclear strike comes? <laughs> my bayonet. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, if you drink, you die. And if you don't drink, you die anyway. Right. Well, well, yeah, this, this, <laughs> this is like, uh, I'm sorry, this is like um, prepper erotica fiction. Yeah. <laughs> really well, the idea that you can actually pinpoint when everything's going to fall apart. You know, the guy's saying, we know for a fact that these days, this is what's going to happen. It's like, so they planned this like, you know, a year ahead of time. It... I love this. Let's take a look at the strange military type behaviors as of late. What yeah. becomes so scary. <laughs> <laughs> is it really that point? strange? But Well, uh, here's the thing is that there's a projected timeline here. We know that this is going to happen. What? End of February, early March. It's all over. I'm telling you, we need to make it to Pi Day. <laughs> at least. Because I like pie. <laughs> oh, well. You know what? You can have pie anytime. 
That's true. I don't have to wait for Pi Day, do I? No, absolutely not. But what we need to do is beignets at Lucille's. Yes, we do. Yep. So now the site itself is full of other uh, rather questionable articles about the same kind of stuff. So feel free to um, go and play around a bit on it. It's an interesting little bit of fear-mongering. Yes, it is. Yeah. And whether it comes in six weeks or not, hey. which is me edging my bets, I know this. It is coming. I, here's what I'd like you to do, though. Ian, I'd like you to reread the, the, the beginning parts of it, and pr- I would like you to replace Prepper with Fluffer. <laughs> <laughs> Just a few hours ago, I decided to go to the grocery store with my buddy and stock up on food. Since I am a Fluffer anyway... <laughs> So the experienced fluffer took his buddy, who's being a uh, new fluffer, to teach him the ways of a fluffer. Yep. <laughs> wow. Now, wow. to be specific here, we're talking about doomsday fluffers, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, well, are, uh, are you because looking at the maps after... for... You guys are, are looking are... at the hey, map Liberty Gibbet, Liberty Gibbet! <laughs> 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 Stop talking about this right now. Don't mess this up. Uh, you guys are talking over each other. As um, so, so after the apocalypse, we're going to lead a lot of doomsday fluffers. <laughs> That's what. Nice. That was worth That's it. Services that you really need. That's what you <laughs> exactly, missed. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You need fluffers. Yeah. Totally. That was totally worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, what do we go on to? We want to. We want to talk about a. Uh, we want to do Pastor Manning, or do we want to talk about the uh, two best friends seeing each other naked? Let's go with Manning. Okay, go with Manning. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> okay. As long as you're, as long as you're good with it, Terry. So yeah, we can we can move the naked guys to next week. Okay. So or Pastor Pastor Manning was talking to Alex Jones. And they were talking about the recent um, terrorist attacks in France, and they were talking about how why they weren't the, the they, they were basically coming up with a conspiracy theory as to why they're not happening here in the U.S. And basically, they they've decided that, that well one of the reasons that this happened was because France is an atheistic country. Um, what the, what did they say? Atheistic and um, con, uh, not conformist. Um, Secular? Politically correct, basically secular country, right? That's, so is this the France on Earth, planet Earth, or different France? Well, that's what I was wondering because France has a long history of basically, you know, of uh, being connections to the Catholic Church. And currently they have religious freedom, right? But when they when people were asked, most people in that country are still believe in some sort of God. But – and the other thing is that they said um, – you know, they found all this interesting. Um, is there a reason why, since the fraud of nine eleven, that the Muslims have been uh, what coddled and embraced and thought of as people who are not who are not people to f- fear? And we've had a major event in the in America, and have had no major event in America. So there's here's the thing that kills me is that once again. These broad brushes. I mean, there are Muslims that are, I guess, jihadists, right? And then there are the the Muslims down at the um, the local mosque, who 
who have nothing to do with with the general terrorism. And who, have, and who have openly come out against what happened in France, saying, hey, listen, those guys are messed up. We're against that. That was wrong. Please don't judge us by what those assholes did. Right. So they're painting with broad brushes. They're claiming that the fraud of 9-11, I don't know what the heck that means. You know, but it's Alex Jones, so you know there's some conspiracy theory. It's probably our government and not really Muslims, right? We just wanted to sound like Muslims so that you know, so that they could start a war or whatever. I, I'm not sure what the conspiracy theory is there exactly. They don't go into it, but basically, in saying that the that the U.S. is um, is supporting Islamic activities, uh, is um, the is the Islamic activities, jihadist activities, Al Qaeda, the Taliban, and ISIS. The U.S. is supporting all of these things. That I mean, uh, uh, is there any evidence that we're actually supporting these things, or are these just Alex <sighs> Jones and Pastor Manning's um, blind conspiracy theories? I mean, where are they getting this shit? <laughs> well, regretfully, there is evidence that we actually ha- did supply them about thirty years ago, back during the Reagan administration. Okay. <laughs> That, that's probably true. The Taliban, you mean? Yeah, we supply yeah. and train them. I, I think that that's I, yeah. There's truth to that. Okay, so we have in the past done that. Uh, I don't know, and maybe we still are. I, I don't know. I don't know what is all going on is geopolitical world. I, I but it just seems. I mean, but there, he's claiming that it that we're supporting all these people, and that's why we haven't been attacked. But we have been attacked. Oh. And so the like two hundred years before. 9-11, that we didn't get attacked by Muslims? Were we supporting them then as well? I don't know, but apparently 9-11 doesn't count. That wasn't really terrorists. Oh. So we've never actually had Muslim terrorist attack, according to them, which means we've been supporting them all this time, even before Obama? Um. Well, no, this pretty much goes back to Obama, I gotta say. I mean, I mean... Well, then that doesn't make any sense, because 9-11 <laughs> was a good, what, seven years before Obama took office? So during those seven years, was it Obama's support of the Muslims that kept them from attacking us? Here, Manning says, Other countries like France have faced attacks because Obama has made deals with terrorists and is is opening the doors for others to be attacked. How's my... Between 9-11, whether or not you consider it a um, terrorist attack... And Obama's administration, Obama was not making deals with the terrorists. So what was keeping them from attacking us then? Now, hold on a second. Did some terrorist organization take uh, credit for this, or was it just some loners? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't... I honestly don't know enough about that attack. I don't think an organization has stepped forward. There were four people... Involved and last I knew they had got they I, did they kill three of them or taken three of them three of them had been dealt with and there was one more that either looking for or something but there were there were four people that they um know were involved in it. Here's the thing, okay, so I mean I, I guess you you can make it uh you can draw a line between the school shootings we've had uh, the Boston bomber. And different terrorist attacks, right? So even if it's not a terrorist, man, there are people getting killed in this country left and right by, you know, by different things, different, you know, crazies out there or, or whatnot. 
So even if they are, even if they aren't technically terrorism, man, God is not is not stopping deaths in this country. So is it our so so maybe that you know maybe we have one faction that's not killing people, but man, we're killing each other. I, I don't know. They, they, this kind of crap it's so hard to break down anyway and i don't and we don't have all the answers we don't have all the evidence you know there's a lot we don't know it's a little bit like a gish gallop in some ways yeah. where it's just this assertion after assertion after assertion and it just takes so long to explain the the facts or to go research or look stuff up or we don't have all the facts so it's just makes it really difficult to even discuss it. Well, it's way easier to spout bull fiction, bullshit than it is to yeah. spout facts that you have that you can document and back up. Right. It, it just seems kind of weird for them to say that this is about Obama making deals with terrorists and therefore the terrorists are going after other, uh, terrorist organizations are going after other targets when this hasn't been linked to a terrorist organization. Right. At the same time, it's par for the course for Alex Jones. And, uh, ignoring the complete there total seems fact. to be. Go ahead. Uh, ignoring the complete total fact that Europe is a lot closer to the Middle East than we are, and if if you're going to be a terrorist organization and you're going to try and do anything, it's going to be a whole lot easier to go after Europe than it is the United States. Plus the fact that we are far more prepared and we defend our borders a lot better at this point, thanks to nine eleven. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe the NSA is doing a, a really bang-up job. I, I don't know the answer to the question, but it's yeah, uh, anybody tries to sneak a bomb in their shoes, they've are, they're on them. <laughs> it's right, they're on them, right? Yeah, the underwear bomber, we got him. The thing is, it's hard to say why these attacks are happening elsewhere, not here, and without asking the people that are doing the attacks <laughs> why they're not attacking us, it's all pure speculation. Yeah. It's ugly. It's all ugly. But not Pastor Manning. He's <laughs> awfully sexy. I love Pastor Manning. <laughs> <clears throat> he should just stick to talking about sodomites and just being entertaining and goofy. Yeah, that was a lot more fun than this one, right? <laughs> it really is. It's it, a lot less depressing. It's a lot less depressing. And, you know, Alex Jones What's is What's going to get him more ink, though? Well, both. I've done very well from him. Man, this guy was a nobody yeah. until he started talking about lattes and sodomites. Right. But now people are expecting him to talk about lattes and sodomites, so now he's going to get ink a different way. Yeah. You know, I, as long, I, I don't know. His parishioners are listening to him. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> and then just looking at the side, Alex Jones, fluoride and vaccines are greater threat than guns. Oh, yeah. That guy. Woo. Right. Because fluoride's in Florida and vaccines, well, because fluoride will helps with mind control, and and vaccines are are, are polluting our bodies with heavy, with chemicals. You would think that the fluoride would counteract the radio receivers in your metal fillings in your teeth somehow. Uh, I don't know. Sort those out. But I've heard that you can't wear the um, the tinfoil hats that that just acts as an antenna. So I don't know. What <laughs> You're kidding. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> take it off, dumbass. That's it. why they've been in your mind this whole time. Yeah. See? God, I hate to end on that piece of trash. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can still talk about naked guys. All right, let's talk about naked guys, Terry. Oh, hold on. I closed the document. Sorry. Just a sec. Pop it right back. You came here. to fruition on that already? I thought we were I thought we were skipping it. No, we're not skipping it. We need to end on something better, something funnier. Okay. <laughs> Here's the naked guys. Something awkward. Something totally. Did you guys watch that video? So I've not awesome. watched the video. No, I I, I will watch the video. <laughs> I, I watched it. 
Yeah. That video is safe for work, by the way. There are no, there's no visible penis in that video, so you're good to go. Um, so there's BuzzFeed has this great video about best guy friends see each other naked for the first time, and it is fucking hilarious. There's three guy couples who strip off, and it's it's so awkward and it's so funny. And they check, they look at each other's penises that they've never seen, and they like a couple of guys try to sort of hug each other, but they don't want anything to the touch. touch. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the couple, Kyle and Sethward, are my favorite. They're so funny because they're, they're not guys I would normally see on the street and be, like, attracted to, but their sense of humor and the relaxed way they deal with that awkward situation is so sexy. It's so cool. Hmm. Um, so I just – I loved this. I just thought it was hilarious because there, there are Kyle and Sethward who are totally down with it, and then there's one other guy who – it was clearly a very big mistake for him to have done this yeah. with his best friend. <laughs> um, you know, and and I heard that in the, the recent sex study that they did not score very well. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I bombed that. That didn't work. Sorry, I didn't get it. <laughs> the study, with, you know, we talked about the study earlier. I'm implying that they were participants and didn't score oh, well. Never mind. Well. Yeah, see, no. I did. That was terrible. I'm going to cut. Should be given whips and handcuffs. Exactly, whips and handcuffs. Right, right. Yeah, that would have been funnier. Let's add that to these videos. <laughs> anyway, I thought it was funny, but I have a question. So, two guys, a couple—not the couple I like, but a different guy couple—they kind of do that that bro hug, that kind of buddy, weird buddy hug thing, and then they both sniff their armpits. What is that about? <laughs> Couldn't they... tell you. <laughs> sniff their armpits. Yeah, they both like lift. The... <laughs> I think in order to be a true buddy hug, Terry, they have to get chest to chest and slap each other on the back twice and then break. Uh, that's 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 the proper length of a of a male hug is two back slaps and break. Are the back slaps required? Yeah. It's like a time. Absolutely. It's maybe. a time measurement and it's punctuation. Okay. Huh. Anyway, it's very cute. It's it's, it's punctuation because it it says we're not really enjoying this. We're just <laughs> doing it so the women will think we're sensitive. Oh, <laughs> is that why my biker buddies hug me? Oh no, wait, that's a different reason. <laughs> that's sexual. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I hug my guy friends, I nuzzle right in there. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> if you were the best, if you were naked, would you nuzzle right in there, or would it be a different type of hug? <laughs> oh, I'd nuzzle in deeper. <laughs> See, that's awesome. Good for you. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I this would probably make me uncomfortable. Huh? I've seen my best friend naked. Yeah, but that's a woman. Mm. No, my best male friend. <laughs> oh, really? You seem naked right now. Tell me. Go on. What? <laughs> you know, I wouldn't care about that. About care that much about seeing anybody naked. Yeah. I suppose I'd uh, like hugging them closely. I would be concerned about things touching. Yeah. Right. These well, guys okay. Are yeah. yeah. Uh, you uh, know I've never been in a situation where you know me and my best friend don't, were touching, but I don't have a problem showering. You know, in, yeah. in locker rooms and stuff like that. I mean, I, I don't have a problem being around naked guys, but this situation isn't. You're intended to look at the other guy. Yeah. I mean, that's well, the. It isn't like I, just being in the locker room. And admit you're looking. I think that's it, 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 exactly right. Looking. Exactly, and and I mean, it, you know, when you're showering, well, you've got yeah. you're looking in more than quick glances. Which yeah. right, yeah. You're Kyle looking- and Seth were to handle it so beautifully, though, because um, 
the smaller guy, I can't remember which is which, he's like, oh, you can see why he gets all the ladies. <laughs> you know, they just right. like just play back and forth like that. It's hilarious. And then they helicopter, which is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I wish I could Okay, see. could you define that term for me? That's another one that I'm not familiar with. <laughs> and I am so ashamed of myself. <laughs> Making it spin around. Wait, what's the oh, term? Okay, I get it. Oh. Okay. Like a helicopter. You mean like w- wiggling their wiggling their hips and yes. making it spin around? Okay. Their hips, yeah. Ah, okay. like like a tassel, like a tassel. Like a tassel. Like a tassel. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Totally. You know, have you guys seen? There is a play that is that that this guy. It's a one man play that's done with a penis. The guy will make um, different animal shapes out of his penis and stuff like that. Oh, I saw something. Yeah. I wonder if I still have it up here. Um. I'll see if I can find it. It's uh, a guy making uh, the Loch Ness Monster out of his Yeah, exactly. That's the guy. Yeah. I think there's a couple of them now that that do that show. But it's, you know, this guy started doing a show. And, yeah, he makes the Loch Ness Monster and all sorts of stuff out of his penis right there on stage. He must be pretty comfortable with himself. I'm having trouble even processing what you guys just said. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't think there's an episode of South Park where they got into cock magic. Oh, is this it? Hold on. Let's see. Yes, I found it. Okay. Hold on, I'll send it to you. All right, good. I put in penis play, and I didn't find it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's yeah. like it's like googling it's like googling latex bondage. <laughs> I found this though. In the news, Justin Bieber has a small penis. Bomb dot com. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those things that you can't unsee. <laughs> How to make Loch Ness Monster with your penis. Yeah. That is awesome. But there's a play. The guy does this on stage. And, and so he's doing yeah, these things. Yeah, Puppeteer the Penis, right? Puppeteer the Penis, yes. This one. And so and there's this camera on him, and it's projected on this big screen up above him. Oh, this is bad. Okay, off the Loch Ness Monster penis page, there was a link for John Lewis' toy store. Toy store. And it's kids' toys. It's like, what the? That's definitely a interesting link to have next to the book. Yeah, Puppeteer of the Penis. This is it. <laughs> nice. I found the website. Oh! That is an active website. <laughs> yeah. You know it. All right. I have to go back to there later. <laughs> Terry, you're gonna love this site. I I gotta send it to you. I was gonna say I'm not linking, not linking. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm getting it to you, but uh, be 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 aware that it's noisy. <laughs> Let's see. I hope that works. That's a strange. Yeah, that's not gonna work. Here we go. It's it's puppeteeroftheepenis.com. All right, I'll just uh, not Google it someday. Oh, uh, there's actually the uh, books. There's books uh, on Amazon.com about puppeteering of the penis. So awesome. That's probably what this uh, shot was taken of. That's right, yes. Books, plural? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Puppetry of the penis, the ancient Australian art of genital origami. <laughs> Puppetry of the penis, tackle happy. Tackle happy. I think that they were wait, Australians. Wait, was this practiced by the aboriginals? <laughs> hmm. Oh. Make sure you check out the website. <laughs> so Simon Morley and David Friend. That's awesome. 
<laughs> wow. We are <laughs> you know what? We are totally off the rails. This is awesome. <laughs> we have recovered from Pastor Manning. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else? I think we're I think we're done, aren't we? Uh, leaving our, our um, listeners with puppeteering penises. Yeah. I, I think we're good for the night. All right. <laughs> Puppeteerthepenis.com. Say goodnight, everybody. Goodnight, everybody. Puppetryofthepenis.com. Oh, puppetry. Oh, yeah. Well, let's get that right. It'll be in the show notes. Trust me. Tree, lock, <laughs> whatever you want to make out of it. <sighs> Remember that you can't unsee some of these things <laughs> with caution. <laughs> I think. If you're having trouble, just yell out Liberty Jimmy. <laughs> Well, if you've made it this far, that's an hour of your time you're never getting back. But the amateur skeptics appreciate you giving that hour to us. If you'd like to tell us how you felt about spending that hour with us, let us know at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. You could always roast us in a voicemail at 720-295-7785. The Amateur Skeptics Podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons, share alike, no derivatives, 3.5 license. So, hand it to an unsuspecting friend, but please, just don't change the content. Intro music by Peter Cannell. Find more of Peter's music at soundcloud.com forward slash P-K-A-N-O-L. Exit music by OFM. Find more of their music at myspace.com forward slash OFMHQ. Artwork for the Amateur Skeptics by Sean Smith Ford. Copyright Shadow Knight Digital Portraiture.